wonders. Can you eat a nettle? What food comes from the sea? Do potatoes like seaweed? Does honey come from bees? Ever wonder what to grow? Ever wonder what to sow? Let's get in the know. Let's find some pop wonders. Hello and welcome to Pot Wonders, where we have all the answers to the food questions you've been wondering about. I'm Warren, and I'm excited to head out and about to answer your questions. But first, to find out what you're wondering about today, let's check in with our roving reporter, Moses Murphy. You're listening to Pot Wonders, where we wonder about all things food, from sewing it on your plot to cooking it in a pot. Hi, I'm Moses Murphy. I like banana, potato and mango. And I'm Pot Wonders roving reporter, and I'm hungry for answers. Answers to the questions you've always been wondering about. What food comes from the sea? I know seaweed grows in the sea, but can you eat it? We visited seaweed expert Paul O'Connor from This Is Seaweed to find out. So I studied marine science, so therefore I am a marine biologist, and I was always fascinated with seaweeds on the shore, particularly when we went on holidays in Kerry. And then I have taken that love affair of seaweed as a food and I sell it so that people can use it and people can buy it in the, in the stores around the country. And so this one is called Alaria, which you can see here. And if you like, you can just take a pinch out of this and maybe I'll make it easier by doing that. It looks kind of greenish, but like it light looks and like, dark. It's lo it looks like the end of a leaf, kind of. Yeah, yeah actually, it, it actually kind of tastes like some of those caramel and sweets and chocolate. Yeah, it smells like raisins. It's, it's really salty and chewy. It tasted salty. I kind of thought it would be salty since it's from the ocean. And so somebody said their favorite food was sushi. So this one is called nori. And it grows on the shores of Ireland as well. And so you can have a little taste of this. It tasted a lot like the first one at the start, but then it got stronger and stronger and ended up tasting a bit more like um, richer. I like it, but I really like the colours of it because I like kind of purplish. This one's called sea lettuce. And it's very visible high up on the shore. You'll see it attached to rocks. It's very thin and very delicate. And you can go and pick it yourselves. And it's lovely when you pick it in the springtime or in the summertime. Lovely bright green colour and you can eat it at the shore or you could put it into your salads. Yeah. I've tasted lettuce but I've not tasted sea, sea lettuce. No, you can just put lettuce and, in the sea. And, oh, thank you. Oh no, you don't like it? Okay, we need the bucket. I think it's a bucket situation. That's okay. It's disgusting, but I'm going to do it. They all are a little bit slimy, and so they all have alginates. And this is the slimy coating on the outside of the seaweeds. But it's very important because it acts as a barrier a defensive mechanism so that they don't get infected with viruses or bacteria and that they don't uh, get destroyed by UV light. So this one is very common. So I think when you go to the shore sometime during your summer holidays and you see this one, uh, you'll remember having played with it. But this is obviously dried and this is sea spaghetti. So now you can pull it apart and play with it and... 
Uh huh. I'm looking. Wow. It looks like squidding spaghetti. Squidding spaghetti, yeah. And it's basically spaghetti, but it's like when you got the raw spaghetti, but more, um, but more like triggered around. Yeah. It's like the cooked spaghetti, but then it goes hard. It's not really a taste I've ever had before. I need to try some here. It's very different. So with this one, with the sea spaghetti, you could boil it up at home and you could boil it for eight or ten minutes and then chop it up and put it into your dish. I really like this one. This is a good message, a message to everyone at home. Uh, you might see the seaweed and go like, oh, it's green and it has icy bits on it. Don't like it. No. But um, it's a very good thing if you don't eat with your eyes and you just go for it. Oh, that's very good. You might regret it. You might hear other people saying, oh, it's really nice, and it's already gone. We'll check back in later with Paul and the Taste Buds when they'll be making some seaweed energy balls. But for now, is anyone wondering anything else? Where does salt come from? Hi, my name is Rolf Jongbroet. I'm from origin Dutch, but I live now for 15 years in Kerry, where I make my uh, flavoured sea salt. The salt that I use is an Irish sea salt. They pump up the water from three kilometers down in the sea and then take the water out and you are left with a 100% natural organic salt product. After that you can dry, kiln dried what I use or you can have the natural one which is a little bit more, uh, let's say, clumpy, not as dry as what I use. But I need the very dry one for my flavors. Basically, that is the principle. You take out the water, you evaporate the water. It's the same as if you would put a kettle on the, on the stove and you let it uh, boil for an hour. It will be bone dry. The kettle, there won't be any water left. I have lemon and basil, chili and lime, seaweed, tangerine and smoked paprika at the moment. There are a few more under development, but... If you mix herbs and spices in with your salt, it can help make your food taste better. That is the basis, and because you do the... you can do the flavouring from cooking already, you infuse the flavour straight away in the fish or in the rice or in the meat, and then you can always add afterwards a little bit to enhance the flavour even more. Time to check in with the Science Buds to find out more. Today on Pop Wonders, we are learning all about the sea. Okay, so I have a really fun experiment here that I think we'd like to try. What do you think, guys? Yeah. Will we give yeah. it a go? Yeah. Okay, so what is the difference between fresh water and seawater? Uh, in seawater, there's salt, and in fresh, there's no salt. Very good. There's lots of salt in seawater, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to check out what the difference is between salty water and fresh or non-salty water, okay? So I have two glasses in front of me here and I have some water. So Rowan, will you pour this water into this glass? This is gonna be our fresh, yeah. okay? So that's gonna be our fresh water. Now, Fia, will you pour some water into this one? But do you know what we're gonna do with this one? We're going to add a little bit of salt, exactly, to make it like the sea. So I have some salt here. I'm going to fill this spoon. 
and then we are going to pop that into your glass. Okay? In it goes. I think we need to stir it though because we want it to dissolve. Okay, so there's a stir for you, Fia. So if you want to give that a mix, we want all of that salt to dissolve into the water, don't we? And I think all of that salt has been dissolved. We can't see anymore, can we? No. No. Now we have two glasses of water that look the same, but we know that they're different. What's the difference? One of them has salt in it and the other one doesn't. So we're going to see how things float in them, okay? And for that, I have one of these. What's this? An egg. Will we give it a name? I think it looks like an Egbert. What do you think? We call it Egbert. Okay, so this is a raw egg with its shell still on. And we're going to put it into each of the glasses one by one. And we're going to see whether it floats or sinks. Okay, so Rowan, here's Egbert. So do you want to pop him into your glass of fresh water? And what happens? He sinks. Our egg sank in the fresh water, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in this one? Same again, maybe? Or do you think it'll float? I think, I think it, it will float. float. Yeah. Okay. There's the egg, Fia. Egbert, going for a dip. And there's your glass. Wow, wow what's happening there? Egbert is floating. Egbert is floating. I think you're right. What do you think, Rowan? Can you see? Yeah, he's yeah. floating. So, our egg friend called Egbert, when we put him in the fresh water, he? Sank. And when we put him in the salty water, he? Floated. Floated. So that shows us that things will float more easily in salty water than they do in fresh water. Yeah. And maybe you noticed that if you went swimming before, when you were swimming in a lake compared to in the sea... If it's not yeah. too wavy, yeah. What about you, Fia? Yeah. Yeah, you think so? How about to finish it off, we'll try and do something really fun, okay? So let's take Egbert out for a minute. Now we're going to add a few drops of food colouring to each of the glasses of water. So Rowan, what colour is that? Green. Green, okay. Will you add a couple of drops of green to your glass of fresh water and give it a stir? Okay. What kind of green would you call that? Mm, luminous. Sophia, what colour is this? Blue. Blue. Let's add some blue to your glass of salty water. So that's a good few drops gone in. Do you want to give it a good stir? That is a really nice blue. It's what like kind of blue? Like a highlight blue. Like a highlight blue. Okay, so we have, um, what did you say that was? A luminous. A luminous green and a highlight blue. And now I'm going to try pouring the fresh water into the salty water. So I have to be really, really careful with this one. I'm going to pour just down the side. Can you hear it dripping? And if I'm really careful, you might be able to see that we have two different colours. Do you see that? Yeah. So what's on the bottom? Blue. Blue. And what's on the top? Green. Very good. So the two waters didn't mix. They stayed separate, okay? Because they, one of them has salt and one of them doesn't. Okay, will we add Egbert and see what happens? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Okay, you have to do it very carefully and slowly. In you go, Egbert. Oh! At the green one, he's kind of sinking. At the blue one, is kind of floating, so he's kind of in the middle. So he's sitting right in the middle of our glass. So there you have it. 
Imagine the difference we made to the water just by adding salt. Did you like that experiment? Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought you'd like it. So there's one difference between fresh and salty water. Yeah, that's science. Did people eat seaweed long, long ago? Our food historian, Dr. Regina Sexton, tells us more. Long, long ago. I suppose when you think about people and what foods they used to eat uh, in the past, a long time ago, I suppose there are a number of things that are different from today. And one of them is that, you know, people didn't maybe have a lot of shops or they didn't have big supermarkets or anything like that. So in many cases, uh, depending on where you lived, you had different kind of food and you had uh, different ways of making food, thinking about food and getting food. So a lot of people who lived near the coast, they would look at the beaches and the sea as a place where they could access food and a lot of it for free. So if you walk along the beaches, you can find things like seaweed and you can find things like shellfish. And that's without going into the water at all. So they would go and they'd collect it. And they were very clever because they also discovered that seaweeds would have loads of different uses. So you could eat seaweeds and you collect them to eat them. But also uh, seaweeds could be used as kind of medicines, certain seaweeds. And the other thing then about seaweeds is that they're brilliant as fertilizer for putting really good nutrients back into the soil. So people were very clever and they thought an awful lot about the foods that they had because they weren't going to the shops, uh, they weren't in packets and they had to, I suppose, think about as much use as possible that they could get out of different foods. And seaweeds were one of these ones whereby they could do loads of different things with them. If you think about seaweeds... Um, they come from the sea. They're like plants of the sea, the garden of the sea. And there's hundreds of different seaweeds in the waters around Ireland. The people wouldn't eat them all, but, you know, they are all edible, but you wouldn't eat them all. And the way to think about them, I suppose, is in different colours. So you get green ones, you get brown ones, you get red ones. So a red one, for example, would be a really popular one in Ireland called dilsk or dulsk. And that's like long red ribbons and people would collect it and dry it and they could sort of grind it up and they could use it for cooking like that. Or else what people loved to do was they just loved to chew it. And it was like chewing gum. It was like a seaweed chewing gum. And they would maybe keep bits in their pockets and they'd be walking around with it in their pockets and they'd get out a little bit and chew it. It kind of takes a lot of chewing. So you could have it in your mouth for ages and you'd be chewing it for ages. And the thing about it is that um, it had a taste to the sea and of course, what the taste of the sea mostly is salt. So it was like salty chewing gum. And then another one, like a brown seaweed, would be the carrageen. And that just means a little rock because it grows on rocks. And it's a beautiful seaweed. And it's kind of got thousands of fingers, tiny little fingers. And people would collect it and they dry it. And when you dry the carrageen, it turns into a lovely kind of creamy, yellowy colour. It's gorgeous. And the important thing about carrageen is that if you dry it and then put it back into water or milk and heat it, there's a kind of a magical property to carrageen and it has a kind of a jelly in it. So the jelly comes out when you heat it and it kind of makes puddings. It makes milk solid. You could make carrageen jelly and you could put lovely things into it like maybe 
sugar or cream or chocolate. You can make chocolate carrageen as well if you want to. But the other thing about carrageen was people believed that it would be very good if you had a sore throat or if you had some kind of chest infection. So they'd boil it up maybe with water or with milk. And if they had lemons, they'd put a bit of lemon into it, maybe a little bit of sugar. And it was not like a medicine then as well. And another seaweed then they had would be things like uh, sea lettuce. And that's like lettuce from the sea. It's brilliant. You can nearly see through it. It's gorgeous. So people would collect that as well. And in many ways, I suppose what they would do is they can boil seaweeds up with things like porridge or oats, that sort of stuff. And also maybe with some of the shellfish that you can find on the beaches. And you'd have a kind of broth or a stew of shellfish and seaweed and oats. Did you know that our pal Paddy uses seaweed to grow things on his patch? Paddy's Patch! Hello, my name is Paddy and I like to grow my own fruit and vegetables along with flowers and herbs here on my little allotment in Malahide beside the sea. Okay guys, are you going to come and help me collect some seaweed on the seashore? Yeah! Don't get blown into the sea, okay? And we might have a listen out for any seagulls who tell us to move away from their patch, okay? Okay. So, yeah. so if you hear the seagulls, what noise do they make? <laughs> so if they come near us, we'll just move away from their patch, yeah, okay? Yeah. So what are we going to go and collect? <laughs> seaweed! So girls, you see this seaweed here? Yeah. I like to use this like bubble wrap. And do you know when you're stressed yeah. and you get bubble wrap and you pop it? And yeah. you can pop this as well. It's very windy down at the seashore. It is. <laughs> so if you pop this like this, can you hear the pop? Yeah, uh, very so cool. If you're ever stressed, you can just pop this seaweed. I think there's a proper name for it though, the seaweed. I think it's called bladderack. Bladderack. Mm, I think I preferred the name bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you know it's very good. What? We can collect this seaweed yeah. and for winter time, what I will do is I'm going to put this seaweed down on the raised beds for next year when I go to grow some potatoes. Yeah, It'll that's cool. It really is. It's a good, it's the best fertilizer for for, uh, for spuds and it'll even give the spuds a little bit of a salty taste when I dig them up and eat them next year. Oh, that's cool, Paddy. It is. Okay, guys, we are just back from the beach and what have we gathered up? Some seaweed. And can anybody remember what it was called? Popping seaweed. Yeah. Called pa- Bladderack. And what can we do with bladderack? One, two, three. So if you're ever feeling stressed, just get some of this and pop and away. Pop so remember, it's good for popping, but it's also great for putting down on the ground as fertilizer for my garden. So I'm going to put it down onto the raised beds here. So if we put it down into the ground. So when yeah. I put it into the ground here and we cover it with the soil here, all the nutrients will go into the ground because yeah. the insects and the bugs will start to eat that and they distribute it all around the raised bed here. And that will become food for the plants for next year. Yes. Perfect, isn't it? Yeah. Let's have one last pop before we go. One, yeah. two, three. three. Wait, I'm going to pop one. Ready, set, pop. Oh. Pop. pop, pop, pop. That yeah. is going to make delicious spuds for next year. That's going to be the yeah. best fertiliser for our potatoes. And we love potatoes here in Ireland. But did you ever wonder... Why did the potato famine happen in Ireland? Here's the history bit with food historian Dr. Regina Sexton. Long, long ago.
potato started its life, its first place of growing, was uh, South America. So it comes into Ireland from America. And the reason why America is so important is because during the age of discovery, when all of uh, European people, like the Portuguese, were sailing around the world, they found America that was full of new foods. And they wanted to see if some of these were good, like potatoes. And the other big thing they found that was good was chocolate. So these all come back to Europe. So chocolate comes back and it becomes really successful. But the potato comes to Europe and then it comes to Ireland. Because what the potato likes is it likes rain and it likes kind of a climate that isn't too hot or isn't too cold. And that's exactly Ireland. So it loves being in Ireland. And what that means is that when you plant potatoes, when you go to harvest them, you'll find that in Ireland you'll get a big, big harvest, maybe bigger than other places in the world. And so what happens is they become very important for people because they grow really well. If you only have a small field and if you grow just one plot of potatoes, you could nearly feed your family for the whole year from just one garden of potatoes. So they were cheap, they were easy to grow, they were soft, they were lovely. And if you had things like butter and cream and milk and mash them all up, you had fantastic mashed potatoes that people loved. And that's what happens. They become very special to Irish people. Unlike places like England, which would be our nearest neighbour, what they were eating instead would be kind of like cereals, like wheat. And people in Ireland had wheat as well, but a lot of the people living in the countryside were eating more potatoes than bread. And the people who were especially eating potatoes, because they were so easy to grow, were the poorer people because it meant that poorer people could have a lot of food in a very easy way. And they become really, really important for a lot of the poorer people that are living in the countryside. And Ireland as well is a lot of countryside. It doesn't have an awful lot of towns. It doesn't have factories. So a lot of people were in the countryside and a lot of them were poor. And what happens is that even though they were poor, they weren't hungry because they had their bellies were full of potatoes because the potato was thriving in Ireland. People had so many potatoes, they were very healthy. And then they start having more babies because they're all healthy. And what happens is that there's a huge explosion in the population. So the population of Ireland in the, the 1770s, 1780s is going up and up and up and up and up. And they're eating potatoes. And that's all right for a while. But then what happens is because Ireland is an island, you can't grow more potatoes because you've only a limited space. So then bad things start to happen. And there are so many people who are trying to grow potatoes. There isn't enough potatoes. It's kind of a bit dangerous. And it's like monoculture that we talk about, only growing one thing to live on one thing. No different things to grow and eat at different times of the year. And what happens is, is that it's a dangerous way to be living and a dangerous way to be eating. And of course, all of that ends in the big, big famine. In, in the in the 1800s, in 1845. And the famine is because the potatoes have become weak and they've become overcropped. They're growing too many of them, so they're weak. They're not giving as much harvest as they used to do. And then the strange thing that happens is that there's this new fungus that arrives in Ireland as well, and that attacks the potatoes. And that fungus will attack the potatoes in days that are hot and wet, like in the middle of the summer. And it rots all of the potato from the leaves and the stems down into the ground. So people had no food when they dug their potatoes in August, September, October. 
And that was the big famine in Ireland in 1845, 1846 and 1847. Because people were living, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people were living on and eating only potatoes. It's time for today's recipe, seaweed energy balls. So for the mix that we made, we put 80 grams of porridge oats and 80 grams of cashew nuts, 80 grams of dates, and we used 80 grams of coconut oil to bind it all together. And then we added in two pinches or five grams of alaria flakes to give it flavor. Keep an eye on that. You're almost there. Seven more grams. I don't want to go too far. Yeah. There you go. 81. That's one more gram. So now we're going to put some cashews in. So oh, cashews. Ooh. Me too. 80. So 80 grams of oats, 80 grams of cashews. This is date, paste, dates. Oh. So uh, who's going to do this? Me. Oh, I want it. Dates are so, sticky, aren't they? I like it. Somebody help me here. It's nice. <laughs> what does it taste like? <laughs> Thank Thank you. You. Which seaweed do you think we should add into it? Well, I honestly can't remember most of them, but... Um, they're all salty. The sweeter ones at the start were good, weren't they? Yeah, I yeah, think, I think, this I think one is either the first or the second. We have oats, dates, cashew nuts, coconut oil, and we will add some alaria seaweed. And if your hands are clean, then you can pick out your own. And, and so take out good girl about that size at first, and then we can keep Keep taking more and more. Just about this size. Yeah. The seaweed that we've used today, the alaria, into the protein balls has a lot of calcium in it, but it also has magnesium, potassium, and has vitamin C. And these things are very good for us. But also special to seaweeds are elements that aren't available in any other plant form, like fucoidins and certain alginates. So they're, they're really, really very healthy. Will I eat a bit of it or put it all in my mouth? Do whatever. What do you think, Holly? It's really coconutty. Yeah? Oaty. Yeah? You don't taste any of the seaweed, do you? No, not really. Yeah, it's merging in because it's sweet, maybe. What do you think? I love it. Yeah? I really like it. Very good. <laughs> These are amazing. <laughs> amazing! If they had the ingredients at home, I recommend you make these. I have one word. Yum. I really taste the seaweed. When you put it all in your mouth, you can taste it. Yeah, because the alaria is quite sweet, isn't it? Oh yeah, that really. You can taste the seaweed though? Yep. I still can't. Yeah. I didn't even know we were doing energy pop. Ah. I honestly wasn't prepared to walk in this room and taste like a lot of different kinds of seaweeds. So that was a successful taste session with Paul from thisisseaweed.com. Thank you so much, Paul, for helping us out today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for coming along. We hope that people will try seaweed and get adventurous, start making their own recipes using it from here on in. I want to thank Paul for bringing all the seaweeds um, into this room here so we could taste them because I've never tasted them once, but now I have, and turns out some of them are really yummy. <laughs> And now it's time for a mindful moment about the sea. 
let's try some cool wave breathing. Some people can curl the sides of their tongue up. Others can't. It's a genetic thing. If you can, curl up the sides and make your tongue into a tube. Then, with your tube-like tongue sticking out a bit, inhale and suck in the air over your tongue. Breathe out slowly through your nose. This cooling air wakes up your throat. If you can't do the curling thing with the sides of your tongue, instead, you can get all the same feeling by doing a big toothy grin and sucking in air sharply. Ooh, it's lovely and refreshing, like sea air. So now, picture this. You're at the beach. The sand is touching your toes as you walk along, looking at the waves, rolling and rolling. It's a warm, sunny day, and you want to cool down. You dip your toes into the sea as the waves roll and roll. The waves are rolling almost like a long tube in the sea. Now, curl up the sides of your tongue and make your tongue into a tube, just like the wave in the sea. Finally, picturing the sea moving in and out, try and make the sound of the sea by breathing in deeply and blowing out while saying, Think of the sound of the sea that you hear in a seashell. Now we're ready to eat. Bon appétit! That's all the pot wonders we have for today. All this talk of food is making me peckish, so I'm off to see what's in the pot for lunch. Catch you next time for more Pot Wonders. This series was made with the support of BAI Sound and Vision funding.